This is a place for storytellers, a place where thoughts, dreams, and ideas come to life. Join me on my journey to unearth the real stories behind real people. No labels, they're just humans. Welcome back everyone to They're Just Humans. So this week's episode is with someone that I met for the first time last week. And this person happened to stay at my house for a couple days. And we were able to record this in person, which is amazing because I do not get to do that much. Anyway, so if you're not creeped out by the fact that I had just met someone and then they stayed at my house for two days, um, just, yeah, continue listening because I promise it's not creepy. It's really a pretty amazing conversation. And I don't think this is the last time that we are going to hear from this human. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Dwayne Brooks. Okay, we're recording. We're live. We're not really live. Is this a PG-13? No. R? This is explicit. Oh, wow. Well, okay. only if you choose. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't... Yeah, I mean, swearing is in my vocabulary, but I really don't... If you need to use a word that's appropriate for context, okay. please do. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so welcome to my podcast. Did you even know I had a podcast? I did. Okay. And this is super spur of the moment and really, really fun because you are soon to be my brother-in-law, and this is the first time I've met you. Yes. In person. In person. Right. We've seen each other via FaceTime. Yes. So your name is Dwayne Brooks. That is my name. Dwayne Edward Brooks. Dwayne Edward Brooks. Mm -hmm. All right. Give your own intro of whatever you want to say. Uh, hello, everyone. I'm Dwayne <laughs> Edward Brooks. Okay. Do you want to... <laughs> Football coach. <laughs> okay. Man of parameters. I mean, I got a lot of... Got a lot of things. Yeah, well, you could list off your things. Um, yeah, so Dwayne's a football coach yeah. at Dartmouth. Dartmouth College. Yep. And defensive. I'm the defensive line coach, and this will be my 27th season of being in the Ivy League. That is so. So I'm the longest uh, tenured black coach in Ivy League history right now. Yep. Wow. Mm -hmm. Good for you. All right, another snafu is right. So it. When I got the job at Yale in 96, Christmas 96, I became the first full-time black coach in Yale football history, and Yale invented football. Wow. It, really? Mm-hmm. Full-time. I was, I, well, everybody else before me was a part-time guy, but I was the first full-time. But Yale assistant. invented football? I didn't know that fact. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Huh. Walter Camp. He's the inventor of football. Hmm. I should probably know these things. Well, it's okay. I mean, those are like those Jeopardy things. Um, I don't know if that's a Jeopardy thing. I feel like that's something. I don't know. I feel like that's a fact people should know. Yeah, it's just a random. Like it's just you know. Basketball is born in Springfield. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. See, I know some stuff. Well, you know, I mean, that, there you go. I'm very excited right now. I just want you to know that. I'm really excited too. I'm already sweating. I'm sweating already. Nice. Yeah, it's fine. Um, all right. So another thing, a wonderful thing about podcasts is that people can't see us. I mean, okay. and I'm not videoing this because you're usually I do it over Zoom, but okay. you're here, which is yeah. way better. Right. But I'm not videoing it. You can Zoom me when I'm at work in my office and I'm sitting around watching film. You can just pop that, in. That doesn't seem like a good idea. Why? Because aren't you supposed to be working? I am working. 
I, I'm multitasker. <laughs> You're going to have deep conversation and pot. Well, I guess we don't have to have deep conversation every time. Yeah, that seems like too much multitasking. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, I can do like 17 to 18 different things at once. Do you know that's really bad for your brain? I know. But, but you know, me doing all these things with my brain, I think that keeps me from getting dementia. I think it's what causes it. Oh, it does? I need, to, I need to back off then, I guess, a little bit. Yeah, it's really bad for your brain to multitask. Really? I, I thought because I thought it would always keep me going, right? Mm-mm. Because you, you think dementia, you, you kind of slow down. And, but maybe you might be right. I mean, it's like with, with, with exercise. Mm-hmm. You know, the heart is your biggest muscle. Yep. So why am I running my heart into the ground as I get older? It's my, it, it could run out. So I need to sit back. That's why I haven't exercised since uh, 2011. Don't you think exercising a muscle, though, keeps it stronger? I think so, but sooner or later your muscle runs out. It's like when you tear your bicep or something, the muscle ran out, got too strong, tore away. Okay. I'm just. I mean, these That's are just fine. It's your opinion, but I'm going to disagree. <laughs> okay. Agree to disagree on okay. that one. Okay, I'm just throwing that out there. You know, I just brought up exercising. The reason I don't. The last time I exercised for real, I mean, I used to ride the, that little bike, you know, in place bike, but the last time I exercised for real was uh, my 40th birthday. And I always told myself, when I turned 40, there's no need for me to run seven miles a day. There's no need for me to bench 450 pounds again, to squat 500, to clean 300. There's no reason for that. There's no reason. I don't well, need if to you do don't want to do it. I know. I'm, I'm just saying. But, you know, when, you, when you're an athlete, you get brainwashed to do that crazy stuff. So when I turned 40, it was it. Mm. You said they're brainwashed into working out like that yes. but they can't i mean to some degree you have to work out to stay in shape for the yeah. sport you're playing okay so in the the 20s and 30s did they did no. they work out like that i don't know i didn't live back I'm then not, I'm just but, saying, but you never so. see video of them pushing weights you see them smoking cigarettes right <laughs> <laughs> i mean seriously yeah That's i know I mean, we, I mean, as a so, what do we equate to that? Like, were they? I, I mean, it's just different. It's not. It doesn't have to mean anything. But they're smoking cigarettes mm-hmm. probably at halftime during the basketball game, whatever they're yeah, doing, yeah. and not. And they're. You look back and look at Larry Bird. He's skinny as a rail, right? Mm-hmm. They're not all buff and just all whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like what happened? Where did that shift come in? Just Our, I don't know. I guess I think like the, like the I think like the eighties, right? I don't know. The, the, the 80s where people started doing the, all this whole exercise, you know, Richard <laughs> Simmons started coming into play and that kind of stuff. And then next thing you know, people are like, oh, you got to lift weights. Because before, you didn't, to play basketball, you didn't need to lift weights. Now those guys lift weights. You know? Yep. I mean, because society's bigger, faster, stronger. Bigger, faster, it, stronger. It's even mm-hmm. got that for women, right? Yep. But, but your body, they say your body's not made for sports. But a body is meant to stay in motion. Yeah. I mean, to some degree. Yeah, you're right. Who says that the body's not made for sports? Uh, I don't know. I, I, do you want me to say it like in Socrates' cousin? I don't know. I mean, it's <laughs> some, <laughs> because, because when you, all the things you do with your body are bad. Like when you run, is that good for your body? They say you're better to run with, with shoes off than shoes on. Right. I don't I, know. I, I haven't heard that. Yeah, I could not do see, that. See, I tell you, I mean, these are just things that I hear. Okay, you're in like a knowledge of information. You just don't know where the information where came it's coming from. from. Oh, okay. And it could be for me just making up stuff, but it sounds good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it sounds Let's try not nice. to make stuff up because you're up. super smart. No, no, no. I'm just saying, I'm like, that sounds really good. I'm going to use that one. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> just, just you know, I mean, I mean, it just, I mean, think about it. It's like when you throw a baseball overhand, it's not a natural motion, but underhand it is, right? Okay, and yeah. That's why people tear that. But so, a woman softball pitcher, I mean, she can pitch twenty days in a row. All of a sudden, baseball guys have to go every other five days or only throw 100 pitches, like 60 pitches during the game, 100 pitches during the game, you're done, right? But before that, there was no pitch count. Hmm. In the 70s, those guys are throwing, those guys are pitching 30 games. Right? That's why it didn't last as long, right? No, I think those guys, you know, I think those guys did last pretty long. It's just that, I mean, I think that, you know, because you're, your body can only take so much wear and tear with muscles pulling at you, right? I mean, people are ripping away like their hamstrings and quads away from their bone because they're so strong, and their bones can't hold on to it, so it rips it away. <sighs> so sports have, yeah, yeah the so way that sports have, yeah, have changed yeah, throughout I mean, the years. It's 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 bad business. Yeah, it's like it has lost its sense of play. Right. There's no such thing as people don't play for fun anymore. Right. That's why I teach my kids. I'm like, if you're not having fun, step out. Stop. No one's forcing you to do this. Nope. Yep. So just be done. I tell everybody, you know, me being a college football coach, I'm like, look, I go, if you're crazy enough to play college football, I will back your play. I get it because I was a knucklehead. I did the same thing. Mm-hmm. I go, but you need to understand that you lose a lot. You have to give up a lot because it never ends until you're done. Right. It never it never ends. You can't take a day off. You can, but the other person didn't take a day off. So you got to keep your game going. Yeah. And that's hard to do. And you lose friends, you know, because people aren't doing the same thing as you. Like, right. oh, you're, you know, your buddy Bernard, you know, you and him used to hang out. But Bernard, you know, likes to read books. But now you're playing major sports and you don't see Bernard because you're always on the move and gone. You know, that, 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 take, like, that takes a lot away. Mm. And you lose, like, a, your sense of self, you know. There's no elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. But um, what I was going to say about podcasting and not videoing mm-hmm. is the fact that I'm white and you're black. This is true. I have a lot of questions. Uh, we don't need to get into it right we can. now. We can. Well, I just. Um, Are you going to ask me how I've navigated the world I live in? Because it's 98% white. That's what you're going to ask me? I wasn't. I, oh, you weren't? Okay. I'm sorry. But I mean, you can ask No, that. no, no. I mean, that's definitely on the path of yeah. what I was going to ask. Okay. Please go ahead. Shoot the shot. Um, so I've asked this to one other black person. Mm-hmm. We were just having a really, really good conversation. I'm like, what do you... She said, are you... Do you get uncomfortable saying, like, black or African-American? I'm like, I do, because I don't want to offend you, and I don't... I'm just trying not to be an ignorant asshole Mm -hmm. and like I don't think there should be any like oh what are you what am I like you're just a human just like me that's what it comes down to but unfortunately we don't live in a society like that so I had said to her she's like she's like I am not Mm African-American I did not come from Africa Mm -mm. I am black Mm -hmm. she's like so don't call me African-American I'm like great good to know I'm black okay so and then the other thing is this is just ignorant privileged white girl speaking because i try to do my best but it's like i'm not living your life right so how can i do better just act as though it's happening to me 
Yeah, I'm I saying mean, it like well, you know, Black Lives Matter. Right. Well, yeah. It's, it's well. So it's hard to put yourself in that situation because you never had to live that, right? And it's not your fault, right? And I, I think you know. I think you know this whole thing with Black Lives Matter and that kind of stuff. And I, I tell everyone, I think the pandemic stopped the world, right? It slowed it down enough so because the world was going by so fast, and now you can see things that were going on. People are like, oh, that happens in our world. Ooh, right? And I don't. I don't know. I, th- I think it just took a pause so people can see what really goes on. You know, it's like uh, I, I tell my, my, you know, my friends, I'm like, look, I go, when I get pulled over by the police, they ask me a thousand questions. They don't ask you a thousand questions, but they've been doing that forever. Now they believe it because they've seen, you know, they've seen the people get shot or those kind of things. They've seen it. They're like, oh, okay, I get it. I mean, that is just different. I mean, I don't, I don't know why it's different. Well, you know what? <laughs> My, my youngest sister, who's my favorite, and she, uh, she's really religious, right? So I always ask her, I'm like, okay. I go, you, I go, you read the Bible. I go, tell me in the Bible where it says that, in the path in there that says that they're in a neighborhood and they had like Adam and Eve's family and then they had like the black family and the Asian family. What black guy took a rock and hit Adam in the head with it and, nobody, and all the white people don't like black people? I go, what, what, I go, what, what, what role was that? I go, how, how did that happen? Because that's what, that's what it is. I mean, you know, and, and, I, and I tell people all the time, I go, you know, for some reason, when you look at people, you're like, oh, I mean, I can see being, you know, if you're racist or whatever, but if you never met me, how do you know? Exactly. So you like my color. So I'm the, who's that black person that threw the rock at your family? Now you're mad at me. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I, I just, I don't, I don't get it. And the world I've weaved my way into is uh, I mean, I'm a, I live in New England, right? That's where white people were invented, <laughs> you know. Sure. So, but I, I I live in New England, and and I mean, I went to school at the University of Maine with twenty four thousand white people, and before your husband got there, the team was all white. I I, I tell everyone, I go, you know, I, I I try not to think black and white, but that's what society makes you do, because I just think, you know, you're Elizabeth, I'm Dwayne, that's Emily, you know, it's Bobby. I mean, that's you know who you are and I go I tell people I go you know the way you make me feel is how I treat you if you make me feel like a great person I will treat you great you make Mm -hmm. me feel like shit then I will shit on you Mm. you know and that's for black or white Asian anybody yeah you know and and I yeah it's just a America's a mess Mm -hmm. I love it though I love it here but it's a mess Mm -hmm. you know and will it ever be better Mm. I know maybe those you know those psycho millennials might it is squared away. <laughs> but, We're so capable. Yeah. I've always wanted to do an experiment where I put two people in a room together mm-hmm. with like a wall in between them or something. So you can't see each other, but just having a conversation and asking basic questions mm-hmm. and then having one person on one side being like a white supremacist. And the person on the other side being a black person or whoever they hate. And imagine if they just, those two people had a great normal human conversation about stuff that had nothing to do with all the crap that they live and breathe by, but just normal human life. And imagine they were just like, wow, like that was a really great conversation. And then they see each other and they're just like, fuck you. I like 
that's where I, I think down to it, where if you put two people like that and mm-hmm. had that conversation, why does it matter what they look like? It, it doesn't. They'd have it no problem. It does not matter. They'd, be no, they'd have no problem. But right. When you're, <clears throat> when you're raised in whatever society or culture you're raised in, that's what you bring home, right? So you figure when you're born as a baby, you don't pop out and say, well, you know, I'm going to pop that black guy upside the head, right? You don't know what you say. You know, you're not gonna, know. I'm going to stab I'm going to stab some white people in the face when I get up out of here as a baby. Right. You know, that's not what you say. <laughs> no. You, you learn from your environment. Right. And I tell her, I go, the, the best thing I learned about Maine when I went there and everybody, you know, I mean, I went to high school in Poughkeepsie, New York, and, you know, it's diverse. So when I went to Maine, people were like, oh, those Maine people, they don't like black people. I'm like, I go, you know, the thing I learned about Maine was that they didn't care if I was black or white. They cared if I was a good person. Right. And. And, and that's what I learned. I mean, they didn't know any, that many black people, but they nev- no one ever charged me or attacked me because I was black, mm-hmm. right? And I, I can remember one time, one person did, <laughs> and my, my friend got to him before I got to him, mm-hmm. right? And that was my, when I was a freshman. That was, that was the end of it. But, I mean, it's just it, it, main, you know, main people take you as you are, right? Even though I'll probably always be a flatlander to them. But they take you as you are, and that's what that's what people, that's what they did in my place, and and I, you know, people are like, oh, you live in Bar Harbor? I'm like, yeah. They're like, why? I go because people don't bother me, and they accepted me. Everybody still thinks, you know, my nickname in college was D Train, right? Because the D Train was always running. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they all think, you know, their their parents have told the little kids, oh, that's D Train, because I went to school with most of them. So now where I live in Bar Harbor, it's like 30 people I went to school with and went to Maine. That's so And they're like, oh, that's D-Train. The kid's like, oh. So, I mean, it's like, okay. Legend. Yeah, right? It's like, I'm like, okay, yeah. people, right? I mean, you know, I mean, that's, you know, and, I, and like I said, I, I do the sports things with all those people when I'm home. So they're like, oh, yeah, he's a good guy. I'm just D-Train. Yeah, but you're shining a light on people. Yeah. And, and like I said, I, I you know, I don't think anyone's a stranger, right? If I sit next to you and I don't know you, I'll try to talk to you. You don't have to talk back. Right. But I'll try to say hi. Yeah. You know, if you sit next to me on a plane and you're in the middle seat, I know you're uncomfortable. I like to say hi to you. Mm. Right? Or, you know, you walk by me, I give you the nod, right? I give you the ultimate nod or something or the finger point. Sure. Just right? <laughs> yeah, because you, you never know what people are going through. You never know. Nope. And if you can just make them happy for a second, they'll make, they'll make their lives great. Mm-hmm. Just kind of make them happy for a second. Yeah. Or, and maybe they don't like black people and yeah. you're kind and they're just like, oh, 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 I've met, I've met, oh, I met a couple now so who, who've changed, you know, they, they, well, I mean, what were their hangups? Um, cause I was just, cause I was black. Right. And, but where did they, what was that teaching for them? Did their parents, also? I think, I think they learned it from their parents and where they, you know, where they're from. Like, I, so when I got in the Ivy league and in 94, so I was at Penn, I was director of football operations, and recruiting coordinator, right? It's 1994. So I went to a, uh, a high school in Philadelphia to talk to kids or whatever, and I went up there, and no one's ever seen me. We didn't have video, right? There was no cell phone. So no one knew what I looked like. There's no YouTube, mm. right? So I walk out there, and they're like, oh, Dwayne, my name, I mean, my name sounds Dwayne Edward Brooks. It sounds Irish Catholic, right? Because mm-hmm. Dwayne and okay. Irish means little brown one. We'll get to that later, right? What? Yeah. Okay. So my, my my last name Brooks is Irish. So people are like, oh, Dwayne Brooks. 
got to be a good old Irish boy. <laughs> nope. Yeah. It was me. Yeah. Right? And I can remember I, I spoke and talked, and, and the superintendent of schools came over to me. He goes, we had no idea that you were, that you were black. I'm like, okay. I had no idea that you were white. I go, I don't know. I, go, I had no idea. I, go, I didn't have any idea either. I go, I didn't. You're like, well, you know, it's just that, you know, some of the people I go, I don't, I go, but he goes, but it was such a, a nice talk and you spoke to the kids. I'm like, yeah, I go, I'm just talking. I go, how about this? How about next time you call me in? Everybody close their eyes and just let me speak. You don't see me. Put the curtain up. It's okay. Hmm. You know, but I mean, he, he was really like, well, you know, this, you know, the way the, Philadelphia. I'm like, I get it. I go, but I didn't. You guys called me because Coach Bagnoli told me to come. Mm-hmm. He's like, and, in Philly, yeah, I in would Philly. think that wouldn't right. even well, phase Philly, them. Well, Philly still had the whole thing when they they blew up the, um, they they blew up the uh, Mayor Good dropped the bomb on the in the '80s in the late '80s on the uh, Jamaicans on the move move pro the move program. Okay, he dropped a bomb on them. Right, he dropped the bomb on them. So there's like a little conflict. Gotcha. You know. Okay, so no, I don't gotcha. Because I guess I missed that in U.S. history class, which I'm not sure if I was taught it or not. But regardless, let's bring a little light to this whole move liberation. Okay. So on the evening of May 13th, 1985, longstanding tensions between move, a black liberation group, and the Philadelphia Police Department erupted horrifically. That night, the city of Philadelphia dropped a satchel bomb, a demolition device typically used in combat. It was laced with Tovex and C4 explosives, and they dropped that on the move organization. Which, these people, they were living in a West Philadelphia row home, known to be occupied by men, women, and children. 11 people were killed, including five children and the founder of the organization. 61 homes were destroyed, and more than 250 citizens were left homeless. We should not forget about this. Continue. Well, you know, it's funny. I, when I coached at Yale, I coached a guy. His, um, his grandfather was the Grand Dragon for the Klan, right? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, and he's half, he was half black. What? But his grandfather was mine. That's... How about that one? That's I don't know. <laughs> about that. What one. is that called? There's something. Stranger Things. <laughs> <laughs> the Upside Down. The, yeah, the Upside Down. <laughs> do you watch that show? I do. I oh. just start. I just started it. Oh, like so from the beginning? I'm, yeah. I'm, yep. I'm on. I'm season on season one? two. I'm on okay. season two, episode four. Okay. All right. Ooh. Like I said, the world is, the world is weird. America is a weird place, and I, I love every weirdness. I love it all. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I know it's um we only come together in time of strife we do tend to come together yeah when it, when you know when, when things go bad when, when someone attacks America from another place all of a sudden we're all American but we all we're, look, we're Americans all now we're just fighting one another yeah we just fight each other now it's pretty sweet it's um <laughs> should we get into the meat and potatoes oh we can just go, rest, go. Whatever you want to do. We can, I mean, we can have some appetizers, a snack. I mean, you want, I mean, whatever you want to do. I'm here for you. Again, I'm trying to put it out there. I want the whole podcast world to hear this. She can call me anytime and Zoom me in my office. As long as it's before 3 o'clock, if I have to go to 2.30, if I have to go to practice, we can get it, we can get it in. Perfect. Okay. 
Are you going to keep me up to date on all the things? Yeah. Are you allowed to do that? I can. Dwayne knows a lot of people. I, I do. don't, and it doesn't matter. We don't need to like talk about all that stuff because it's all like fluffy, but it's really interesting. <laughs> so it's really fun to talk about. <laughs> um, but we, Dwayne said this morning, he said, you know how there's the six degrees of separation with Kevin Bacon? He's like, I could be that. I could be that. And I said, okay, then let's get you back to Kevin Bacon. And okay. he did it in one person. Not Kevin Bacon. Not Kevin. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. So small. You know, you know. Not, I, mean, I didn't mean that in literally terms. Small. I meant. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we don't need to like talk about those people, but you just like know everyone and I, you walk into places and people know you. That's, I, that's <laughs> the important part. People know you. It is uh, a weird phenomenon, right? So I think, I think my life has been like blocks, right? I mean, like the first nine years of my life, I lived in a town called Kingsford Heights, Indiana, right? Where my grandmother's, right? They live right, they live opposite sides of the street. One, you know, but, the, but from me to where your dining room is, that's all two streets were across, right? So that's all I knew, right? So I'm from a town of probably 1,200 people. I was related to 1,000 of the 1,200 probably because the two families intertwined they are all related because my mom and dad and they i became um you know i went to a wedding my cousin tracy got married like six years ago went to a wedding 800 people there i was related to everybody (gasps) except for the 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 minister who gave the i was related to everybody tell everyone how many siblings you have i'm the oldest of nine right and i never really tell you that's why i wanted to do this podcast so i've had i had a brother kevin who passed away when i was one and a have two. Oh. He died. He, he was like one. He passed away at one. Ugh. And then I had a brother, Dougie. He passed away at, I want to say he was like 15, 16. Oh my car God. crash. <sighs> but the fun, the phenomenon about the story is with, with all, with all these siblings is that, you know, that song, Papa was a Rolling Stone. They were talking about my dad, you know, because, you know, my, okay. So my youngest sister, and I had the same mom. The rest of us had the same dad. Right? Right. Because your dad so was in Vietnam. My dad was very busy. And I, and I tell people all the time, I go, now, if you go to Vietnam one day and you see some p- person with a big head and little ears, probably related to me because I have little ears. My whole family, has, we have little ears, little right? Little tiny ears? that yeah. from your dad? Yeah. My dad, he has t- with the tiny ear syndrome. That's how you know <laughs> that, that you, we're related. You're yeah. like, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, so I have a, a brother, Aubrey, who's a retired Major League Baseball player. Kevin, who's a retired Air Force uh, F-16 fighter pilot. Uh, Larry, who is a, uh, I guess, well, he's a retired military guy, West Point, but he's now a, a pharmaceutical vice president of some sort of in, in Pittsburgh. Um, my sister, Annette, is a nurse in LaPorte, Indiana. My sister, Angie, is a travel nurse in Reno. She travels all over the world. My sister Lanita, she's a uh, she, she's a philanthropist. So she lives in Hayward, California, her and her husband. Uh, and she, or whatever she, you know, she, she's so nice. She likes to help people. I'm like, right, she's doing good. I'm like, where did that gene come from? I'm like, I guess we all, I mean, I, I guess I help people too, but yes, she never, I don't think she's, she's never said a swear word and she doesn't drink. I'm like, are you sure you're related to me? But I found out this year she is related to me because 
she tricked me into having my mother <clears throat> come live with me at the house in Maine. And I go, you are a gangster. You gangstered me out of that one. So she, she, she's 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 definitely related. Yeah. Then my <laughs> sister Nikki is a retired uh, captain in the Army, and she lives in Reading, PA. My sister Carmen is a detective in the Chicago Police Department. We're all pretty close. I mean, you know, I mean, they, I'm the oldest, but they treat me like I'm the youngest, right? Because everybody wants to take, because I'm the one who's never been married or had a serious girlfriend or made babies. Why so. do we, like, why do we, I don't want to say degrade. That's not mm-hmm. the correct word. Yeah. Why do we put people lower on the totem pole yeah. somehow in, in the adulting right. life world? Because so, they're not married or have kids. Right. Like, that is not, has nothing to do with anything. Right. So I'm, I'm the one that they, oh, are you okay? I'm like, I'm okay. I'm a grown so, ass man. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm good. I'm, I'm a little grown up. But yeah, so that, that's how we have to play that one. But I mean, it's a, like I said, we all, you know, we have this, with my dad, you know, we have the same grandparents. So like I said, my grandparents live across the street. So we all saw each other in the summer times. But the only thing was that my, two of my, two of my brothers hadn't seen my father in like 40 years, right? So we had a reunion in maybe 2000. I actually got my dad to leave because my dad never left Air Massachusetts. He would not leave. So we got him down to uh, my grandfather had a place in uh, Bridgeton, New, New Jersey. And he, he had a huge house there. So we all met there. That's the first time my, my, two of my brothers, Aubrey and uh, Kevin, had met him since they were babies. Mm, wow. Right? How did that go? It went great. But, but I told him, I go, you know, my, my dad is, or he was, he, he, a different breed of cat, right? He wants to do right, but he's just not in him. <laughs> he just can't help himself? Just can't help himself, right? So they were like, oh, yeah, you know, he's going to come visit us and, and meet the grandkids. I'm like, okay, slow your roll. But at the end of it, he tried to be better, you know, and, and, and me, him and I talked. We talked all the time, and I, you know, and. When I played football in Maine and he lived in there, Massachusetts, I always left him tickets for games, right? Because we played BU Northeastern. I left him tickets. He never came, right? And then I said to myself, okay, you know what? Why am I trying so hard? I go, one day he might. You know, at the end of it, he actually came to four games when I was at, at Yale, which was good because mm-hmm. he doesn't get out of his comfort zone, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, he has the PTSD. You know, he has a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a reason for there's that. There's a reason. There, everyone know, has right. fighting a battle, right? And at, and at the end of it, <clears throat> you know, he was trying to do better and reach out to people. And I'd see him probably twice a month or we'd call or whatever. And he, he just, he passed away because he was tired, right? He just had enough, mm. you know? And, well, and at some point, you just have to let it go. Yeah, let it go. But they, just, they, yeah. they can't, they couldn't let it go, right? My, no. Especially my sisters, they couldn't. Because they wanted, you know, sisters want their dad, right? Girls want their dad. And he, and he just wasn't, at the end of it, he tried to be. But he just, it was, it was too late. A little too, yeah, too late. Yep. Okay, I need to ask you, have you ever had an experience in life when you had to be brave? Yes. So. <clears throat> I'm going to move your thing up a little bit more. Sorry. Okay. You're the, you're, the, you're the Dick Wolf. You're Dick Wolf. Who's that? Law and Order and CIS. Oh. It all comes back to Law and CS, Order. CSI. Yeah, see, I don't, I don't watch those shows. You don't? 
I mean, I have, but I don't. Only watch it because I met him. And then I'm like, oh my God, he made all those shows. I'm like, how come you never had me on the show? Because you're not an actor? Well, I mean, you know, kind of. I kind of act. I bet you could hold your own on a set. I think, you know, I think there's an Emmy in me. (laughs) (laughs) Prove it. (laughs) Um, Okay. (laughs) I should be asking you about how you met, what's his name? Dick Wolf? Dick Wolf. The first time or the second time? Oh, see? Like, Dwayne's obsessed with Law and Order and all those obsessed. shows. All those, cause he and he invented, wrote all that. He right? wrote all those shows. Every All those cop shows in the beginning from, like, I want to say Hill Street Blues to all the way through. Dick Wolf. Because where does he live? Are we allowed to he, disclose this information? Yeah, I think, I think people know. He lives in uh, the second greatest place in America, Bar Harbor, Maine. First greatest is Indiana? Key Rice, Indiana is probably the number one. That's, that's where the light shines on you. Right. <laughs> All the great people come out of there. I'm the only person in my family who likes that place. Well, my Uncle Duke. We're the only two people who love that place. Have you, have you been back lately? I have not been back since uh, August 2019. I'm, I'm, fiend, I'm, I wanna, I'm trying to have a, uh, all my family get together and we have a reunion in Kingston Heights for Christmas, but no one's, no one's taking that bait. They don't want to go? No. I'll go with you. Okay. I mean, it's 38 miles from Chicago. Never been to Chicago. There you go. And then we can go to, we can go to Chicago Bulls game. Let's do when it. When I saw Billy Donovan the other day, he said, Dwayne, don't make, make sure you hit me up when you I come to Chicago. I is. I am making so many people cringe. No, you know, he, he is the head basketball coach at uh, Chicago Bulls. Okay. He's just going to, we're just going to go to a Bulls game? It's, it's my guy. And hang? It's my man. All right. Well, that's that's a nice perk, but yeah. no, I'll go with you to your roots. Okay. I want to see your stomping grounds. Okay. Yeah, that I, sounds fun. I, I I'm have saying this... we went to Winnebago. Yep. Roll out. Roll out. Yeah, we just take off. We just take off. We'll and... pick up the G unit on the way out. We can roll out and pick. We can stop at different places on the way. So we just went from Dick Wolf to Billy Donovan. To the G unit to because G unit. Dwayne also got invited to Lloyd, 50 yeah. Cent's house. 50 Cent's house with Lloyd Banks. <laughs> I actually got thrown out of a bar for doing that. Okay, so. Why? I want to say, was, was it 2004, 2005, New Year's Eve, where the bars in downtown um, New Haven. Oh, so great G, place to be. So the G unit, I mean, they were playing, they were playing before, they were playing. Um, 50 cents music, right? Because he was, that was when he was on the, he was on the top. Ah, right? you were with, wait, were you no, with no, the G-Unit? I wasn't with, no, no. Oh, okay. It was me and, and some of my friends, my little, my little roadies I used to roll with. I mean, you know, one of them, one of my, one of the guys I used to roll There's with. There's so was, many stories <laughs> that could just go off here. He was, he was actually the uh, chief of detectives of New Haven, right? He was my guy. So we're at, we're at the bar. We're, a lot of guys. we're at the bar. We're at the bar. And, uh, we're drinking. All of a sudden, they, they're playing G-Units. I, I started saying, J-J-J-J-J-J-J. So I had everybody in the whole bar. So when I said, J-J-J-J-J, they said, G-Unit. So every seven minutes or so, I would do that. And everybody like, G-Unit. I mean, it, was, it went, on for, went on for like three hours. <laughs> and then they kicked you out? Well, let me get to that part. Okay, sorry. I'm like, three hours is a long time to wait for all that to happen. Yeah. So then all of a sudden, the manager, the owner, manager, some guy comes over. He goes, sir, you're making a disruption. And I had my drink in my hand. I'm like, this is a disruption. And I, 
I threw the glass on the ground, but the glass didn't break. <laughs> You're like, shit. I'm like, hmm. You that was good. He goes, you he goes, you have to leave. He goes, I've called the police. I'm like, really? And I'm thinking to myself, the policeman's right next to me, but it's okay. So <laughs> these four police people come in and they come and they look at me and they and they see my friend next to me and they they grab me. They're like, You have to go, sir. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. We get outside, they go, They really kicked you out for saying that? I go, Yeah, he goes, just try not to do it again. He kicked me out. But yeah, so <laughs> we got thrown out. But I I tried to smash that glass. Did you see 50 Cent after that happened? No. Oh, that would have been amazing because you would have been like, I got kicked out of a bar no, for saying no. G-Unit. It's right, it's, it's right before I met him. So you felt entitled to be using the G-Unit. Yes. Unit. I felt like ah. I was the one to lead the way yeah. <laughs> to bring it through. It was, and the, and the it whole was, bar, it was through, I And think. the whole bar of like, I don't know, probably 200, 300 people in that bad boy. Wow. It was like you started the wave at the Super Bowl or something like it was like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, that's a lot of people that yeah. we just, but okay. And let's circle back around to Dick Wolf living. Yes. <laughs> in the second, the best second part. place. Okay. In the so, country. so my friend in Bar Harbor is Dick Wolf's uh, caretaker of all his properties. Mm-hmm. So he travels with Dick Wolf all the time. So I actually met. Dick Wolf for the second time where my my friend Pat Graham, who's the defensive coordinator for the Raiders, he was actually just a D-line coach for the Patriots back then, but I started a football camp. And Patrick came up there in 2000. So I met Dick Wolf again in 2000, summer 2011. Because Patrick came up, Patriots, so everybody loves the Patriots. So Garrick brought Dick Wolf and, you know, like all the, all the big people in, in Bar Harbor all met Patrick. You know, so that's how we met Dick Wolf. But mm. I've known Garrick uh, for 20 years, probably. Mm. I'd met him before when I was in Bar Harbor. Yep. You know, so that's how I met him. He brought Dick Wolf with him. Was he ever on any of the... Did he ever make an appearance? Never. Never. Nope. He seems like a crotchety old man. He is a crotchety old man. He is... Wow. Like he's got he's to be... He's got to be... What is his problem? 75, 80... I gotta ask him what his problem is. When we, when we see him again, <laughs> you know, when I when I you know bump up when I bump up to him, I might. Like I said if I if I ever went outside when I go home to Bar Harbor, I would probably see him, but I just never go outside. Only go outside on Sundays. But he he's a good man. He's a good man. He 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 runs everything on the island. He does. Yeah. He he he's like he gives money to the, um, to the Y. He does hospital stuff. He does oh, all yeah. that stuff. Oh, so yeah. he yeah, might he, be crotchety, he, he but back. he's, yeah, he's, back. he's doing good. He's doing, he's doing really well. Yeah, well, I mean, doing good and doing well, yeah. both those things. And he, always, and he hires all the young kids to work for him and like ride, drive his boats and that kind of, if he goes someplace, he hires all, all the people from Bar Harbor. Oh, yeah. So he's, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's good dude. He's a townie. He's a townie. Should we get back to the brave? Or? Yeah. Okay. I mean, this is okay. all good. Yeah. So it's all good comedy. Yeah. So you know, um, nineteen eighty four. Year I was born. Best uh, year. In, yes, that was my that was best year in America. I was a sophomore. My sophomore football season. I uh, was the fourth game of the year. I think it was fourth game of the year. We're playing UMass. I tore my knee. You know, on the the last. I shouldn't have been, been in the game, but um, thirty seconds left in the half before halftime. I got chopped from behind, and it tore my knee, right? It tore my ACL, MCL, it tore it all. But back then, you didn't know, there was no, you know, 
quick fix surgery. He had to do the big one, right? So, you know, so so in my mind until then, right, I was the greatest football player in America. I was definitely going to be first, second yeah. round draft pick in the NFL. If not, the D train, the D train was, was not the D, the D train was coming home. Yeah, because you know, I, I mean, I was yeah. So after I got hurt, you know, I was in I was in a cast from man October until January, Christmas, January. But I was so angry because I got hurt. I was so angry. And and I decided that January I gotta take I gotta take time off or I'm gonna kill somebody. I'm not gonna kill myself. I would never commit suicide. I was I was a genocide guy. I was gonna kill everybody else around me. I mean my friends stopped coming around me because I was so angry because I had been hurt. Right, and I, I just, I want to choke everyone. You were right? taken away from what, what you love. Yeah, right, and, and and I was having such a good season, too. Golly. So, I mean, it was, I, I was so, and I would had no one to really talk to. I had one person, um, Elaine Gershman was her name. She was my uh, uh, dean of schools. She talked to me, and, and she's like, you know what, you should probably just take some time off. She was, let's just take some time off. I'm like, yeah, you know. That that be that that seems right. She goes, yeah. You take time off and come back in May for May term. Just take the semester off. No harm, no foul. We'll figure it out. You just need to get yourself better. I'm like, okay, cool. So I I call my mother. My my parents. My my mom and stepdad were just about finished with their divorce, right? So they were living in separate places. And so I call my mom. I'm like, yeah, I'm coming home. You know, I just you know things aren't going well. She goes, you don't have a home here. And she hung up. So I'm like, well, that's how we're going. I'm like, okay. Why? Uh, well, she never let me finish the part about why I was trying to come home. Right? She thought I just wanted to, I, I wanted to come home because I need to get some red because I really want to do harm to people. I really did. Right? And I'm like, well, I'm like, okay. So then I, that, that pissed me off more. And then, you know, she, uh, she got a hold of my stepdad who just moved down to Virginia, to Manassas. Virginia, because he was in the, uh, what's that? Uh, he was, was, you know, he's a Navy guy, and he's like military intelligence guy. He was huge, like he was great electronics. He just was a, a bad person, but that's another story. But he, she got a hold of him, and he called me. He's like, okay, because you can come down here if, only if you join the Army. I'm uh, like. That's a red flag. I'm like, damn Army? I go, I don't need structure. I need I need someone just to talk, you know, just to take a break. He's like, well, that's what you have to do. And, I, and like I said, I saw, saw some of my friends who I played, who I thought were my friends. My college roommate, him and I are still really close. He's, my, he's probably my best friend. So I told him, he's like, yeah, you should probably do that. Everybody else is like, turn their back on me. So, I, you know, the brave part comes and I decided, you know what? All these years, I always thought that if something happened to me, I can always go to people. And I say, okay, Dwayne, we'll help you. Everybody turned on me, right? So, you know, because I was leaving school, I was, to them, I'd become a loser. That's what they thought. I was a loser guy. So I ended up going down Manassas, Virginia, and, uh, you know, with my stepdad, who he, he didn't really like me that much. Clearly. Right. He, was, he, was, he was always mad at me because, one, I was a better athlete than him. Two, my, uh, when, my, when they got separated, I lived with my mother. He thought males would stay together. Females stay together, but I'm like, dude, you're my stepdad. I go, that, 
I go, that's not. I'm not loyal to you. Exactly. Mm. Right? I just met you when I was nine years old. Player, I get it. Right? So, so I go down to his place, and uh, we, he's like, okay, you have to get a job. So I got a job at uh, the Ponderosa. The Ponderosa. Making, you know, making food at the Ponderosa. You know, I, I became a chef. Mm. <laughs> so meanwhile, I'm ta- I, I go to the Army Reserves. I'm, if I'm going to go, if I'm going to go, somewhere, I'm going to go to the Army, right? I'm going to get boots on the ground. I'm going to do work. Mm-hmm. So I go to the Army. I take that ASVAB test, right? It's just a test. They touch your knowledge. So I take the test. The guy comes back out. The guy was a good guy. And he looks at me. He goes, when it's time to go back to school, go back to school. You do not belong in the Army or the military. He goes, go back to school. Was who's ever telling you to come to the army? Tell them no. Go back to school. Wow. I go why? He's like, you don't belong in the military. He goes, go back to school. I'm like, okay. So I go tell my stepdad, and he's like, well, if you're not gonna go to the army, you can't stay here. So he gave me a hundred dollars. Told me to leave. So somehow, I don't. Did I take a? I think I took the train. No, maybe he got me a plane flight. And I tease, like, where do you, he goes, can't live here. Where do you want to go? I'm like, well, my mother says that I can't come to New York, right? And I, you know, and I'm like, okay. I go, I'll go home to Indiana. Right? And my, you know, my, and my mom's mom had died when I was a senior in high school, right? Mm-hmm. So she was, but the house was still there. So I'm like, I'll go back home to Indiana because my, and my dad's mom still lived two streets over. I go, going home to my people right even though i'm missing one mm-hmm. but i'm going home so i went and i i stayed at my grandma's house and my my aunt joanne she was around a little bit then she moved to uh arkansas but i basically lived there by myself and and you know and my dad's mom she was getting dementia alzheimer's right she was really starting to get bad and, and i can remember i go when as a visitor when i got home my uncle greg is like oh He's like, Mom, Wayne's home. She goes, oh, you look just like your daddy, boy. And my, so we went. She goes, come to my room with me. So we went to her room. She goes, I got to get out of here. She goes, these people. She goes, these people are driving me crazy. because They're like, oh, she tries to escape and do things. She goes, there's bad things going on here. I'm like, okay, Grandma, we'll get it squared away. I'm going to be around for a while. She goes, oh, that's nice, baby. And then my uncle opened the door. You guys okay? She's like, oh, are you, are you from my uh, elementary school? She was like playing everyone. It was pretty cool. So I went back. So I went back home to Indiana for until May. So she wasn't. She didn't have dementia. She's just playing. Wow. She's playing them. But I mean, the brave part was me to just say, you know what? You thought that all these people that you were friends with and did they did not want anything to do with you when they learned that you were going to leave school. So I cut them all off. Right. But I. But I. Like I said, I went to Indiana and. Like I watched my, like my cousin Chico play baseball, you know, I, you know, uh, just got my head straight. And then my cousin Del Rey comes, comes home from, he had just transferred to Providence and he comes home and he's like, Hey, he goes, you ready to go? I went to school from back up to school from there. And it, and it all, like I said, the, the brave part of me just kicking everybody, you know, cause before I always told myself, you know, just, you know, in, until you get your degree, don't say anything, just listen, learn observe don't try to you know don't i go but me getting kicked out i thought people would at least say hey Dwayne, you need help not one fucking person came to aid me 
Not one. That not in one. itself <laughs> is not one traumatizing. And then people, and then like I said, and people were like, when I when I left school, no one really knew why I left school because I was I was a three four student, right? They just mm-hmm. thought you know, Dwayne's just she's just leaving. I left because it was I had enough. And it wasn't helping me. Right, and, and you knew what you needed. You needed it, rest. Right. You needed I need, out. I needed, you needed out. And like then you looked for your people to help you, and they're and like, they, they "Sorry." And I thought all my Not friends. Sorry. I thought all my friends I hung out with and drank beers with and did stupid things with in college, they weren't my friends. Right. So then when I came, so after I got my breather and came back in May for May term, I just I, I didn't really hang out with football guys too much, too tight. Mm-hmm. I just hung out with regular student body. So then I became. Friendlier with everyone, right? Mm-hmm. And it just, and, it, and it, it, I mean, I wasn't the same player I was before. I was still just as mean and vicious. I just wasn't as, as quick and fast, right? Mm-hmm. But it was, it was worth it to get back, you know, and, and, and this is the first time I ever told the whole story. Well, thank you right? for it's sharing a, it's that. It's the whole story. Yeah, no one, I mean, no one, no one. But, so mean, your I, mom wasn't there. No. She, she, but then, but you... You so said I, you cut them all off. Cut them all off. But your mom's still part of your life. Mm. There's another brave story. You want to hear this one? Mm-hmm. So, right now, I'm, I'm, you know, I go to college. I'm on scholarship. Right? So, you know, back then, they had, they had the Pell Grants for like $2,500, $3,000 Pell Grants. So, I graduate, you know, I get my first real job where I'm making money in 1997 of January. I get a letter. Because they say I'm at Yale now, and I'm making pretty good money. They're like, oh, he's making money. He owes us money to education. They will find you, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So I get a, a, a letter from the Department of Education in Albany, New York, saying that I owe them $13,000. I'm like, oh, hell no. I'm like, what the hoot the root? I'm like, what the scoop the doopy? <laughs> right? I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, and then, you know, it had a, a list of when the, when the grant was taken out, it had like the dates and the date was like January 20th, 1985. I'm like, wait a minute. I wasn't even in school. My, okay. So my stepfather took out a loan in my name. And then, and I told, and I called my mom. I'm like, okay. I go, let me just ask you a question. I go, if you lie to me, I go, I'm going to give you three times. I go, if you lie to me, I will never speak to you again. Right. She's like, I go, well, I go, I got this stuff from the Department of Education, and it says I owe them like $13,000 and some change. I go, I wasn't in school from January, that, those five months where you took the grant. I wasn't in school in 1985. I was out. I go, so where'd that money go? Who took the money? And she's like, well, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, well, your husband's name is signed, because my stepfather signed his name, but his last name was Ellis, right? So he made an E. He'd make a mark through it, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So he signed his name. It was his name on it, right? And then it had my uh, social security number. He wrote the wrong one down, and he read, scribbled it out and wrote another one. Somehow he got, the, he got the real one. He didn't know it. He just, they, so my mother must have told him the real one, right? So I'm like, this is what we got. I go, I'm going to ask you again. Did you guys do this? I go, I have to pay it. I go, I have nothing to do about it. I have to pay it. She's like, well, we would never do that. I'm like, okay. I go, I'm going to ask you one more time. And she's like, we would never do that to you. I go, well, you did it to me. I go, I will never 
speak to you again. It was our last conversation. Goodbye. Right? So my family gets wind of it because she told, oh, Dwayne is dead. And I call my, you know, my Aunt Betty Jean who passed away about eight years ago. She's so nice. And she called me the phone. She goes, okay, what's going on? I go, look. I go, let me ask you a question. She goes, yep. I go, you have two kids? She's like, yep. I go, now, would you ever take out a loan in their name and not tell them and not pay it back? She's like, no. I go, see? I go, you don't have two nickels to put together. I go, you'd never do that. I go, she, they, I go, she would have told me. She just would have said, yeah, we did that. I was like, because I had to pay it anyway. I go, I'd pay it. I go, but she lied to me. Mm-hmm. Right? And my grandmother told me, she goes, when you think that people are, are pulling you down and putting rocks on your feet to drag you to the bottom of the ocean, you take out your machete and chop your hands off and chop your head off and kill them. Or just chop the rope off so that yeah, you or can that, free or, yourself. Or that, or that, <laughs> or that. But I think you get free either way. <laughs> so, so that that's what I did. And like I remember, my uncle Duke called me, and they, they were like having, they were mad at me. I'm like, really? I go, you're mad at me? That's I called go, gaslighting. I should take out. I should have all my guns and my 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 Kevlar, and I should be going around searching for her and him and shooting at people. And These are things you can't be saying. I know, but that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> okay. Okay, we can normalize yes. fucked up thinking. Yes. As long as I'm thinking those things, thinking. I'm like, I go, I can get, get the gun. Pop, 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 stop popping people. And that's what, you know, right? I go, because I have the right to do that. You do? Well, I, I thought it, you know, right to bear arms. <laughs> I don't think right to, you right, do. Right to bear arms. Right to, 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 defend, to defend your honor. <laughs> right? You, I mean, you're not helping I know. the white black case here. <laughs> no, with but your the, thinking. But the thing is, but the thing is, they used to spank me for lying. One time I took 75 cents and I said I didn't take it. I think I got beat for hours, <laughs> right? So I'm thinking to myself, that, that, why, would I, why do I need to have them? I go, if I can lay down tonight and sleep tonight, I've done the right thing. I slept great. So we go around, you know, and I call my little sister because she's just about to graduate from college. And I sent her, I, I faxed her all the information. I go, see, this is what I'm talking about. She's like, okay. So she graduates. So I go, I go out to uh, Stanford for her graduation. I guess it's two times being brave. I go out to Stanford for her graduation. Me and my cousin Frank, who's also, he's passed away, but I was her best, her best buddy growing up. And we go out there for two weeks, right? And uh, we had the time of our lives. Her parents didn't come until the Thursday before the Saturday graduation to hang out with her. Mm-hmm. And I go, and I, and, I, and I tell everyone, I go, my, my little sister, she is the greatest person I know. Because she went through, because my parents were the worst parents because they were selfish. And they weren't good parents. They weren't, they were selfish and considerate. They were horrible parents. And she somehow went to Stanford, right? And made it through, right? And, and I say they're selfish and considerate because well, my sister, she had between Stanford and Princeton to run track. And my mother told her, oh, Stanford, I'll stay, I'll be in California. We'll be together. Right? My dad lived, my stepdad lived in Virginia. You know, so when she got into Stanford, my mom moved to the Virgin Islands. Why? Because she's just a different breed of cat. I can move to Virgin Islands. Okay. Right? So, so getting back to graduation. So we're in my sister's apartment. So... They, they were trying to play who's the best parent, but they thought buying her off would make her think who the best parent was, right? So, you know, my stepdad got her a car, 
My mom got out of an apartment. You know what I mean? So they were playing that back and forth. And 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 I tell everyone, I go, my sister and I are so tight because I'm 12 years old than her, but as soon as she was born, I became instant babysitter. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, <clears throat> so when she was born, I mean, usually when you have a newborn, you like to take the newborn to the babysitter. When You, you took your kids to the babysitter, right? No. I mean, but you stayed home. But I mean, if you were, if you had a babysitter, you would have taken them. Yeah. I carried my saxophone. My, my sister made me the greatest athlete ever, especially <laughs> with balance. So, so I had my saxophone, my book bag, and her. How and old would, was she? She was uh, seven months old. I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a sixth grade, right? Sixth, seventh grade. So I, had to care, I took her to, to the babysitter on my way to the bus stop. Now, getting to the babysitter, I could have walked around, went upstairs, but no, no, no. I'm a great athlete. Mm-hmm. I walked up a hill, a little hill with her in my hand. Snow, rain, never fell. Thank God. I know, I know. But, you know, the saxophone had to balance. I had to balance out. <laughs> but, but my parents never, they picked her up because I played sports, so they picked her up from there. But they never, and on the weekends, right? When I, that's when I got my uh, license. She was four got my license in 10th grade and they're like oh if you expect to play summer league baseball those kind of things you gotta take your sister we you know we need a break on the weekend i'm like what and they thought up they thought i wouldn't play sports i'm like okay so i packed up all her little stuff oh my gosh packed her stuff up all her food her little uh the little chair mm-hmm Took her to baseball games. She came to, so she didn't miss a baseball game, basketball game, in the summertime, until I, until I graduated. What did she do while you were um, playing? She was four. Yeah, she was reading. We had music playing. Guys in the dugout were hanging out with her. Oh. Right. They were, you know, they she were. She had their little village. Yeah. And you created that for her mm-hmm. because your parents didn't. She right. came to everything. Then, then became. You know, everybody like, "What's your sister?" So yeah. I'd bring, I'd, I'd bring her everything. Yeah, thank they, God for you. Yeah, but man, they just didn't, you know. So my my sister and I we were really tight. She she remembers all that stuff. Mm. So I'm so thankful for. Yeah. Okay, I just want to ask a question about your mom. I can mm-hmm. cut this out, please. I don't know your mom, <laughs> so <laughs> I have neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> my mom is a woo wee. What's that word? Enigma. Enigma. She's wrapped an enigma in a and a wrapped in a riddle. Yeah. Juanita is a different breed of cat now. I don't think that's the right phrase. That's well, she, like she, that, yeah. Okay. So my mom, right? When I was younger. She had you at 16. Yes. I don't think we said that. Okay. Yep. So yeah, she had you at 16. Mm-hmm. She's an educator, right? She's one of the uh, people who started Head Start, like preschool. Yeah. She's one of, because, you know, we live right. You know, Chicago, Indiana is where they started Head Start. The guy, and she she helped them. So things like that boggle me mm-hmm. because it's like she <clears throat> was a terrible mother, according to you, yep. and yep. didn't take care of you. But mm-hmm. here she is starting Head Start. Yeah, I was I was well, when she started Head Start when I was a little kid, and I can remember when I was five years old. They had a Head Start in Michigan City. I was in her class. So then she she got all these opportunities to go to New York, right? IBM called. So she went to New York. She went to IBM. I'm like, okay. Because I had my grandmothers. I didn't really care about any other women. Yeah, I had my grandmothers. Your mo- your yeah, I had my grandmothers and 
my other family members, my whole family was from that area, Michigan mm-hmm. City, Laporte, Kings Rise, you know, they're all from there, northern Indiana, you know, so she left and I guess, and, and, and she bettered herself. I mean, she worked at IBM. She worked, worked her way up in IBM and, right? I mean, she, she was really good. I, but I think it, when she married my stepfather, he just took stuff out of her. My grandmothers were, weren't highly educated, but they were smart, right? Mm-hmm. And my grandmothers only came one time to visit in New York. Once. Always had to go home. They only came one time. They never, because they just did not like him. Mm-hmm. And But it was my mother's life, right? So you let her live where she lives. And, and I think, I told you in the end of the day, she had me, she's, but she's not my mother. My mm-hmm. grandmother's. I mean, I call them, I call my mother, I call my mother by her, her first name. Yeah. Because she's more my sister, aunt, right? Sure. And, and me moving from Indiana to New York was probably the best thing to happen to me. And, my, and I always thought that when I left, I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, I cried for, it takes 14 hours to get from, from Indiana where I'm from to, to the house in, in New York. I cried for 14 hours nonstop. Mm. 14 hours I cried. Because I thought, I'm like, oh, my God, my grandmothers don't love me. Right, that's what I thought. I'm like, they don't love me. They they let me go. Why would they let me go? And and then when I when I got older, you know, like ninth, tenth grade, I'm like, oh, okay. They saw that I would be educated, right? Because I tell everybody I'm a, I'm a hillbilly, right? Where I'm from. I go but moving to New York, it was I mean, I met Spanish people, Asian people, my whole world opened up, you know, Vassar College, Marist College, Culinary, West Point. All my friends uh parents were IBMers, right? Everybody went to school. Everybody talked about college, right? I mean, that that was the best thing mm-hmm. that happened to me. Yeah, by going there. But I went home every summer, right? You know, and I, and I tried to when I was in tenth grade, going to tenth grade. I tried to go back home, and my grandma's like, no, because my my dad, my mom's mom was really getting starting to get sick, and she's like, she goes, I don't want you to see this. She goes. You don't need to be here. She goes, I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. She goes, you just need to go there and do what you're doing. I'm like, yeah. okay. So I didn't go. Mm. Right. You think about what your life might have been like? If I would have stayed there? Yeah. Wow. I would have either been a, a fireman, like my whole family. Okay. Or a bad guy, like the rest of my whole family, right? <laughs> You know, I would. I think that, that's coming up a lot. That theme. <laughs> I think I would have been. I think I would have been. Uh, I think I would have been the same, right? Because mm-hmm. I, because I really, uh, like I said, everybody always says you're just like your your grandmother. Me and my grandmother have a lot of traits, right? So I I shoot from the hip, right? So I think I'd, I'd be probably the same place. Yeah. Right. I think I think I would be. I mean, I look back and I'm like, oh my god, I'm from a town of you know 1,200 people. And I now I work at like one of the greatest college, the greatest league in the world, right? The greatest colleges. I'm like, really, dude? This really happened to you, right? Yeah. I go that 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 is that's amazing to me. I laugh every day when I go to bed. Every day I laugh. You're just like, this is my life. Yeah, I giggle. That's why I tell everybody I never had a bad day. I had bad times in my day. Right. But not a bad full day. Yeah, that's what you said. Yeah, I'm very grateful, right? And 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 to what has happened to me, and I don't know why, and I think that. You know, like I'm like, look, well, maybe my grandmothers are watching, right? 
They're definitely watching. So it's funny how my, you know, my mom's mom dies when I'm a senior in high school. My dad's mom dies when I'm a senior in college. Mm. So they just want to see me finish. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I finished it and yeah, I mean, I'm I'm grateful every day, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I mean, I, you know, like I said, (laughs) you know, playing football when I thought I was really good, I had so much anger, Mm -hmm. right? Now I'm happy as hell, right? You know, and I I tell people all the time, I go, look, if if we're in a bar when I was in college and you pushed me, I would probably would have fought you and the seven people that came with you. Mm -hmm. We're going to do battle. Now if you spill a beer on me or something, I'll probably buy you in a bar a drink. Mm. It's just how, I mean, because I have no, it's just not in me. It's just not in me. And hasn't been in me in, wow, since I was probably, when I stopped playing at 28, it just, I'm just like, you know what? So what advice would you give to people that feel that within them? You need to stop and step back and take a break. You need to step back and say, you know what? And like, like I told all the guys I coached, I'm like, look, it's hard for people to tell you to do the right thing. So you need to go to a mirror, take all your clothes off and look at yourself naked and say, okay, what do I need to do to make myself right? Because, you know, no one can make you happy. You have to make yourself happy. Right. Why do you people... have to be naked? No, I'm just saying that just makes, oh. it, sound... <laughs> it, just makes it sound like erotic. Erotic. Okay. This is the explicit <laughs> yeah. part of it. Yeah. No, but you have to strip yourself. Just see yourself and say, okay, this is what I'm working with. And can I, can, can I, you know, and I go, when people talk to you, they're not telling you things because they want you to do bad. People are telling you things because they want you to be your best. So don't take offense to them. Some people, you know, when people say things to you, just take it, good or bad. Mm-hmm. I go, you know what? I go, I tell my guys, I go, look, I'm like, I'm like a protein shake. Whatever you, what, you know, whatever, you, like protein shake, you drink it. And whatever you don't need, you shit out. Yeah. Or any food. Yeah. I for go, that matter. I, I go, I'm a protein shake. Well, I had to put protein because, you know, okay. guys like a protein. Right. <laughs> protein shake. But yeah, I mean, I would say you just had to step back. And it's hard to step back because so many people are telling you what to do. And, and go, like, go, and go. And go, go, go. And you're like, oh, right? And you can't go. And then you realize you've been going and you've just been like on a treadmill. Like yeah. you're not really going right. anywhere. I mean, and then you're like, shit. What am I doing in my life? I mean, I, I think back when I got hurt, in my mind, before I got hurt, I was the greatest football player in the history of the world. Yep. I That's really what, did. I mean, really everyone should have that attitude yeah, when yeah. I, they go into anything, yeah. that they should have that confidence. I mean, I was, I mean, you know, I'm like, oh my, then I got hurt, I'm like, oh my God, how did I get hurt? How did I get hurt? What I, you know, and it just. Because that wasn't part of your plan. Wasn't my plan. There's no plan. And I'd never been hurt before besides like breaking my nose or something, right? And looking back, I'm like, I didn't, I go, I'm smart enough to understand I need to take a break, but just people just, nobody, only person was about it was me and the guy, the sergeant in the, in the army. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody else was like, what are you doing? You're ruining your life. You're not going to be anything. You can't do, you can't do that. I'm like, I can't take a break. Oh, yes, I can. But yeah. I went, People but take I, breaks all the time. Yeah. I went home to the, the Fortress of Solitude. Kiefer Heights, Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? And, and, and I, I said that was the bravest thing I've ever done. Yeah. There's, there are a lot of brave moments in there. Yeah. Absolutely. But, that was, but, but just taking a step, being able to see myself for what I was going through. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was, 
and to just keep going. Yeah. Somehow I don't know. I don't. I, that I could don't have that could break a lot of people. Yeah. I'm sure it has. You know, it's just. But you. Right. People you, are like, oh, if you leave school, you never go back. I'm like, no, I'll go back. Yeah, and like, who are you to tell me what right. I'm doing? Right. Because you're not me. Right. What? How are you a miracle baby? Oh, I weigh two pounds three ounces. What? Yeah, I came in a little light. <laughs> I came in a little light. Were you? I think I was. <laughs> I think I might have been premature, but handsome. <laughs> I think I'm premature. <laughs> Pretty so, sure you were. Okay, so I was. I, I was, you know. Um, bo- I'm the. I think I tell everyone I'm the last person in the world to be born in a bed. Right. I was born in my grandmother's bed. Right. So, my two grandmothers, my two great grandmothers, my great great grandmother, wow. big mama. The lady across the street was like a black shaman lady who did like, you know, who, you know. I can picture her <laughs> yeah, right now. Big mama. Yeah. Yeah. Big mama. Uh, Mrs. Cobb, my grandmother's best friend. And, of course, my mother. Mm-hmm. So it was a, like a snowy night. I was born January 9th, my birthday. Mm-hmm. So we're from Kings Rise, Indiana, which is a, basically a, a small black town. So the closest town with a hospital is LaPorte, which is probably 15 20 miles away, right? So back then, 1965, right, you, you, you didn't really have black doctor, you know what I mean? So the doctor was Dr. Sprecher, who was my favorite doctor of all time, greatest doctor, and he wore an ascot. He was awesome. Greatest Loved doctor in, in the world. The world. <laughs> Dr. Sprecher. Dr. John Sprecher. God, I loved him. But he, he couldn't make it out. We couldn't get to, to the hospital. So I was born... In the, in my grandma's bed, which is about four feet off the ground, right? So I was born in the air. Oh right? my god! So, but but I was so small that they put me in a uh, shoebox to keep me warm, and in a dresser to keep me warm, because they didn't know if I was going to make it. Oh my god! Doctor Sprecher couldn't get out there till the next day, take me to the hospital, and it just so happens in January. The first of January of the year, they just invented the incubator. So I was an incubator for four or five months. Wow. Yeah. Wait, and I, so and, I was, she... and I was born I was born with a hernia. How about that? And if I cried, I would it would have like busted. <gasps> so I never cried. Which is also scary because you want the baby to cry when they yes, come out. Babies cry. So how early were you? I don't know. I, that, I, that I don't know. What? Why how do you not know that? I just don't know that. I just know I was a little, you know, a little underweight. Under the car, under on the weight, and I know I was in an two pounds. I two, mean, two pounds that's like you were significantly yeah. premature. Yeah, I, I think what I think what I was well, I think what thing that happened is that I think my mom was probably trying to hide. You know what I mean? Trying yes. to hide, but but knowing my grandmothers the way they are, they probably they probably spotted it and knew. Yeah, they just in you know, and they just took care of. They just like took they're care. Just, they took over. Yeah, they took over. Yeah. So I was in the incubator for like I think four to six months, something like that. I mean, wow. I, no one really, no one really talks about it. But I mean, my grandmothers would, would would tell me every bits and pieces. So I think four to six months I was in the incubator, and my grandmothers would never let anyone visit because they, if I didn't make it, they didn't want people to be sad. Mm. So they're like, nope. oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So then, um, homeboy came home. Homeboy came home. <laughs> the, D train the train came into the, the station. You know, and back then, you know, I. I wasn't a D train yet, so uh, my my nickname growing up in Indiana was Skeeter, right? Skeet Skeet Skeeter Brooks. Like, 
Skeeter, Skeeter from like Doug? Like like Mosquito. Oh, Mosquito. Because I was little. Okay. But quick and violent. <laughs> Shooting from the hip. <laughs> Shooting from, yeah. yeah. So my nickname was Skeeter. Yep. Skeeter Brooks. Skeeter Brooks. That's what everybody calls me when I go home. They do? Mm-hmm. Or they, the call, me, or they call me Wayne. Mm-hmm. Yeah, why? Nobody calls me. No yeah, one calls why? me. No one calls me Dwayne. They call me Dwayne. Is Dwayne and Wayne a, a common? I guess. But no one, no one in my family calls me Dwayne. Everybody calls me Wayne. My cousins call me Skeeter. Some other people, I mean, you know, because I was little, but my head was so big, so they call me Jughead, Water Jug. That is terrible. I know, but those, everybody in my family has nicknames, right? Ah, no, we got to get back to the Dwayne, little b- brown boy. Yeah, Dwayne. Dwayne means little brown one in Irish Gaelic. My, my, grandparents, my grandparents were geniuses. My grandmas were geniuses. Little brown. How do they know you're going to be a little brown boy? Because you came really out, were. Because I came out, they're boom. Name me Did right they away. do that on purpose? They just called you Dwayne because they like the name. They, no, because they, they, I was little. That and was I on met, purpose. Brown, yeah, little brown one. Hmm. Well, I'm <laughs> yeah. so glad that you made it and that you're I'm, here. Yes, we're talking. glad I made it. <laughs> Dwayne, what makes you feel free? Coaching. Um, any type of coach. I mean, I've, I've been blessed to coach all the sports, right? So I've coached baseball, basketball, football, soccer, tennis, squash, right? Golf. That's when I feel freest. And I think I learned that in like fifth grade, right? So fifth grade when you have gym class and you have, you know, all the kids who are non-athletes who can't do much. I used to pick them on my team all the time so I could beat my buddies. Mm. So I coach them up. That's how I'm most relaxed is coaching. And when I go home to Bar Harbor, so there's no, I mean, there's, there's no stress or anything like that. I don't feel any stress or not that I have a lot of stress, but mm. coaching is, is just part of me and it's so easy. So coaching makes you feel free and you've mm-hmm. coached so many different sports. Mm-hmm. That's an enigma. To me. So it doesn't matter what the sport is. Nope. Because coaching is coaching. Coaching is coaching. Okay. So explain that to, to me though, because you have to have some knowledge. I think, oh, I just think you have to be believable. Right? Like fake it till you make it? Yeah. And I know, and, and, you know, I coached women's squash. Now, I know, you know, do I look like a squash player to ever play before? Probably not. Right? I mean, you're. That's a stereotype. I'm just saying. But I, I had the opportunity to coach women's squash, and we were really good. And, and I learned you stay out of the way. Players play, right? I mean, I just give you confidence. I, give, I tell people, I, as a coach, I give you hope. Because I believe, why can't you? You know, not everyone's the same, and I don't treat everyone the same. And, you know, um, I've always had my guys, I go, well, I'll go, when you play football, who are you? You're like, what do you mean? I go, who are you? I mean, who do you play like? Or who do you, they're like, well, I play like Lawrence Taylor. I'm like, well, you can't be him because there's only one Lawrence Taylor because he's Lawrence Taylor. I go, what is your name? You're like, my name is Jack, Jack Green. I go, then you play like Jack Green. I go, because when I played, I played like Dwayne Edward Brooks. Because there's no other you. There is no other me. And I go, we all can add something 
to a team. You might not be the starter or the best player, but you can add something to help us win. You just got to find out what your why is. Mm. That's all you got to do. And if you listen to me, you'll be great. You'll be the greatest in the world. In the world. And it's been, and like I said, and, and like I said, I, when I talk like that, people are like, they give you that look. But I go, when you look at my track record in sports, you're like, oh, he really is the dude. I am. I'm the, probably the greatest coach in the history of the world. But, I'm, but, but one of my players, he called me the uncoach. He goes, you stay out of the way. He goes, but when things get hectic, you jump in and put us in the right direction. Mm-hmm. He goes, other than that, you just stay out of the way. I go, yeah. You don't come out until you're needed, in yeah. a way. Or you, and, and standing back and observing is a powerful thing that mm-hmm. we all need. That's how you learn. Mm-hmm. And when, when, if you, when you come up to watch us have football practice, you will see that I stand 20, 25 yards away when stuff is going. I don't stand by. One, I don't want to get run over. Two, I don't need to. And then they know if they make a mistake, they'll run over to me. And we'll talk about it because they think I can see. I've tricked them to think I can see everything, which maybe, maybe not. <laughs> but I've tricked them to think, and they'll ask. And I, during practice, like when we have warm ups, I'll talk, but I'm not, I never talk football because football is what we're doing. <laughs> so we talk about, you know, I heard you had a date last night. I heard you, you know, we talk about all those things, you know, and, and we just talk about different things because football is going to end, mm-hmm. right? Sports end. So that's all, you know, we just kind of hang out. And, and when it's time to play, we play. Mm-hmm. It's, it's weird and, and, I, and I think people when they see how I coach like how does that work I go I don't even know it just works it's been working since 1986 yeah I think a lot of coaches uh, they don't like that banter they don't like that friendly like yeah. don't cross a line of... right well you know when I played I could never talk to my coach like my guys talk to me because I tell my guys you know what there's a time and place for everything I go and, and Playing a sport, you have to be like three people, right? You have to have like a regular normal life, which is hard because now you have Twitter, Instagram, that kind of stuff. So everybody knows what you're doing, mm-hmm. right? I go, then you have to be a student. Then you have to play a sport. Then if you're not good in a sport, you have to get better and you're, you're like second, third string. You have to work harder. And the coach is yelling at you because they're just yelling because that's what coaches do because they're paying attention because you have potential. They're just yelling. You can't take it personal, but all those things happen, right? right? And you, you, and it, and it just—it's overwhelming to you. So I tell my guys all the time: when we come in my office, I mean, I have snacks. I have like a load of snacks. Everybody has their favorite snack in my office. Mm. So we have loads of snacks, right? We have all kinds of stuff. So they'll just come in, and we'll just talk. Sounds like you're giving them a safe space that is a space that you could have used when yeah. you were younger. Yes. Cuz I always said when I I want to be when I become a coach and I would get really good at it, I wanted to be easy for people to come and talk to me. Cuz I never could have talked to my I mean, my D-line coach I I probably could have talked to like the, my guys, but I could have never told them secrets. Right? What's really on my mind and my heart. I never could have told them that. But my guys, and, and, and the thing that's happened at all these places I've been, you know, I've been, you know, six different colleges, you know, Colby, Maine, Johnson C. Smith, Allegheny, University of Pennsylvania, Yale, Dartmouth, and Husson, right? Those guys, I mean, I was at Colby in 1991. Those guys still call me on the phone. 
Why they still call? They'll get a hold of me. Everybody still reaches out. It's crazy. You know, and they're like, we got to get together, do these things. I'm like, yeah, I go, one day we will. You know, but I'm glad you reached out to old coach. Yeah. Even though for two of the years you played for me, you probably didn't like me. Like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> for your first two years you played for me, you really don't appreciate me. Sure. You know, so, but they, they kind of get it. Mm. Yeah. But that, that's when I feel free coaching. Yeah. Because it's like, it's so easy to me. And it's, and it's so easy to get for me to get someone to do what I need to, to them to do to be successful. It really, I mean, it's crazy. It seems like your purpose. Yeah. yeah. In life. And people always ask me, don't you want to be in the NFL? I'm like, nah. Well, didn't you already do that? I already, already did that. I already did that. Uh, I did two, three internships. And I just didn't, you know, I liked it, but it's just too much. Well, didn't you play? I did. for. Uh, okay, so for seven weeks. Seven weeks, I everyone. was a Patriot. He was a New England Patriot. Yeah. Who was on the team? Uh, Steve Grogan, John Hanna, Willie McGinnis. Okay. I don't <laughs> people, know any people, you of know, them. Those guys, that's, those are the, ni- the, the late 80s. So that's, ni- that's 1987. Yep. Summer, summer of 87. Okay. So right. again, I was three. So those guys, so those guys are on the team, and the, and the Patriots used to practice at Bryant College. Mm-hmm. Right? So my D-line coach... Max Good knew a guy who coached, he coached with a guy, Cleve Bryant, who was friends with Raymond Barry, who's the head coach of the Patriots. So they gave me a tryout. And you made the of, team. Yep. And I made the team for six and a half, seven weeks. Like, actually, this week is the week I got cut. Hmm. <laughs> so, How's that conversation go? Uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's quick. Yeah, well, there's, there's, a, there's a knock on your door. The guy, they call the guy that comes to get you, they call him the Turk. The Turk. Yeah. What's he that comes, short for? I don't know. He you don't comes, know what that means? No. I just knew the Turk. If they knocked on your door, they wanted your playbook back, and you had to see the coach. Time's up, rookie kid. Time's up. Turk. Time's up, rookie kid. Maybe, maybe that's maybe okay, I like that. So I you just know, made when that I, up, obviously. When I, when I was, you know, I, I was just like practice fodder, right, for them. And like I said, uh, Willie McGinnis and I became really good friends. I mean, he was, you know, he's a, he's going to be a Hall of Famer, right? He's a great player. And people are like, oh, Dwayne, don't worry, you're going to make it. I'm like, okay, thank you, Willie. I'm thinking to myself, mm, maybe not. I'm having fun because John Hanna, who was in the Hall of, he's the greatest O lineman ever. He used to run me over every day. He used to crush me, and he'd be like, Dwayne, you're doing such a great job. I'm like, thank you, thank you, Mr. Hanna. I get brave. Thank you. I go, thank you. As I'm 25 yards off the ball down the field, I'm like, oh, thank you. <laughs> you know, and they're like. Oh, don't worry, it's going to be fun. And like every Wednesday, you know, um, Willie McGinnis would get a limousine and they would get like a case or two of beer and just have the limousine drive around. And they just, we'd drive around Rhode Island and he would just drink beer and talk. And I would just sit there and listen. But at the end of the day, I, was, I wasn't good enough. I, I think, you know, I'd, coming off the injury, I did a nice job of coming back, but I had no one to help me, right? I had, mm, no, one to, right. I had no one to lean on. That was a to, big chunk of your energy yeah, and yeah. life that I, I got no kind of no stripped. One, right. I had no one to lean on and say, you know, do it this way. Even though those guys tried to help. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but I mean, it, it, and when I went, you know, when they knocked on my door and I had to go get my playbook, I remember Raymond Barry, I mean, Raymond Barry sitting there and he's like, you know, good effort. And I'm like, oh, thank you, coach. And he said, you got anything to say? He goes, whatever you need. If you need something, 
just let me know and I'll, you know, I'll help you. And I'm thinking to myself, that's cool, but I go, help, I go, can I have the helmet and my jersey? He's like, no. <laughs> he wouldn't even give you your jersey? No. So then I became a football coach at, in Pittsfield, Maine, Maine Central Institute Prep School. And I coached high school basketball, JV, and uh, baseball. So I was a prep school guy. Mm. So I'm there at MCI, and you know, uh, I get a phone call, and it's it's my coach, and he's like uh, Max Lowe. He's like, hey, he goes, I just uh, he goes, you know, I can get you on a team in arena football in San Jose. I'm like San Jose. He's like, yeah, San Jose, California. He goes, be the ninth arena team. I'm like, oh, that's nice. And he's like, he goes, I hear you're coaching and teaching. I go, yeah. He goes, you don't like that. I go, yes, I did. Like, don't tell me what I <laughs> yeah. like. He goes, you don't like that. I go, I like it. He's like, how about this? How about you come out and we play? Yeah. And he's like, uh, I go, I go, uh, I go, I'd never been to, I hadn't, I'd never been to California. Right? So I'm like, okay. I go, just don't, I go, you can't cut me. And he hung the phone up. <laughs> so, so I drove all the way out to California and I played, uh, arena football and I played on a team in the it was called the minor league football system I played on the Fresno Bandits and the Sacramento Outlaws right and those two teams traveled all over the country playing so we played all we played in Boston we played everywhere we played mm -hmm. all you know it was, it was pretty crazy yeah but I played arena arena was uh interesting you know and I lived in uh, Mountain View California right next to right next to Stanford mm -hmm. I lived there and that's where your sister went. Yeah, I and mean, the yeah. best thing about that is that when I was playing arena, I got to play arena. My sister was probably thirteen, right? And she was really, she was really good in track. So I got to take her to track meets and see her run and that kind of stuff. So that was pretty cool. Nice. But arena, we were horrible. But it was the greatest time I ever had playing football with grown men, right? And mm -hmm. it was so fun. And then I, you know, then I'm like, no, my time's over. I go, I'm done. I go, I was three years ago. I'm like. First of all, I'm really not that good. I go, secondly, I'm tired. Mm -hmm. So I try to get a job out there to be at a high school, Menlo Atherton. And I remember, you know, guy John Ralston, he was like the, he's like the king of San Jose. He was like, he was the coordinator for Denver Broncos. He was like, like the part owner of the San Jose Sabercats. He was kind of the coach. And he, he was a big dude. He was a big name. And I got an interview with Menlo Atherton High School. That's an affluent place, Menlo, right? So I, I got to the last round, and I can remember, I think I was 25, 25, 26. Hmm. So I go to the interview, and I can remember the, so I go there, and I'm like, oh. I go, it's a, the black, it's a black woman who's the principal. I'm like, okay, here we go. Here we go, yo. I go, about to, <laughs> this go. guy's about to get this one. And she looks Slam at me, down. she goes, you have nice credentials, and people said good things about you. Coach, she goes, but she goes, I look at you, I see a young man who's too young. Because you're just, you're just too young. And I'm like, okay. And, you know, I called Dick Whitmore on the phone. He's my mentor, you know, the king of Colby. And I called him, and he's like, I go, Whit, I go, I need a job, and I think I'm ready to coach. He goes, because you sound like you're ready. He goes, how about this? He goes, how about we? He goes, I have a friend. He goes, I have a friend in Spain. He goes, 
how about you play one more year of football? I go, where? He goes, Madrid. I go, I'm in. So I went to Madrid for two summers. I left in June of 91 because 90, 92, I got the Kobe job in August of 92. When I came back and uh, Witt called me on the phone, he goes, I got you in. I'm like, got me in where? He goes, coaching at Colby. I'm like, sweet. Right? Because it was a start. Because I always wanted to be, because I think he's the greatest coach of all. He's the greatest person. So in I'm the like, world. In, in the universe. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to be, I wanted to be like him. So I got the Colby job. He got me the Colby job. And I, I worked for free. They didn't pay me. They had, they'd already paid a guy who was their um, person of color. They want who they had a position for, so they had no other. They had a position, but they weren't going to pay any money, right? So I worked. Wait, it it was specifically a person of color job. Yeah, for for, for a, a black person, Spanish person. Mm-hmm. That was a thing. Yeah, still is. Still is a thing. Well, I agree that there should be all kinds of shapes and colors and all the things at any workplace or environment, but it seems a little much to have to put that down on paper to check a box. Still is a thing. Still a thing. Okay. A big thing. Continue. So he got the night. I mean, he was making money and he lived like on campus in like a nice place. So I lived, uh, under a dentist's office, even though it was sweet, I lived on a dentist's office, and it was like uh, 70s tray chic furniture downstairs. It was Shag awesome. carpet? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was a baller. Wow. Right? And, I, and I ate for free on campus. Yeah. Right? And, but, I, I mean, I got to, but I got to coach football, and I learned. That was my first college job, and I learned, you know, I learned how to coach. Right, I learned where the hash marks were, what they meant when people. I mean, I didn't know all that stuff, but I, I learned. That's what I learned there, and uh, I learned with wit how to make everyone feel like they're a part of it. Right, from from the the best to the worst, and I got to coach basketball with him, and I got to coach women's squash, and I got to coach women's tennis, because the women's squash tennis coach she retired in the fall. The end of the fall, she just retired. So two work studies, uh, girls who work for me, they're like, Dwayne, you can coach us. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I can. And they threw, they gave me a, a book, How to Coach Squash. Did you read it? I skimmed it. I was going to say, I bet you didn't. All I was, was, is the greatest job I had, was the driver. I drove them to all the squash meets, right? Mm-hmm. And they just, they, they told me how, how to make the lineups and all that kind of stuff because they were ready. Mm-hmm. And they just told me, just get us there. So we, we were, I want to say we were 18 and three. Wow. Yeah, we went to the How Cup. The How Cup? How Cup is like the tournament of all um, squash teams. It used to be, I mean, it was at Yale. Mm. We came in second. Wow. I know, right? That's what I say. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> You've seen a lot. It was crazy. And I all I had to do was get them there and sign the sheet and have the list up and they're like Dwayne don't ever say anything just sit there because you couldn't talk anyway mm. they're like just watch yeah um when it came to practices and such how did that work oh okay so <laughs> okay so practice that year the Kobe gym burnt down mm. 
So we had to practice at Bates. We had to go down. That's to, not close. We had not know. It was the closest place with a squash court. Wow. So we practice at Bates. How often? Uh, three times a week. But yeah, that was <laughs> I was a squash coach. Then I coached tennis in the spring. And then it was it was time to go. I mean, I I I didn't want to go because I'd still had more to learn. But I had an opportunity to go back to Maine and coach there at my alma mater. Yeah, that was that was the right place, at the right time. You know, um, and I learned more about myself. Just you know that I mean, I you know you're a position coach, but I learned that everybody I spoke to at different positions they would listen to me. Mm-hmm. How do you shoot from the hip and not just complete? Or you probably just don't care if you completely no. piss people off. But um, hmm. better be pissed off than pissed on. That's right. right. Well, I tell people all the time. Look, I go, you're you're smart. You're asking me a question, right? And the worst thing about America now is nobody can have their own opinion. Everybody thinks everybody has to be the same. I'm not the same as you. No, I don't have. I don't. I'm not the same. I go, and it's okay to have different opinions of what you think about. I go, so if you have a question for me, make sure you ask me what you want to ask me. I mean, because you're going to ask me something that we're going we're gonna to disagree, which is okay. Right. And but okay. that's how we learn from each other. That's how we learn. Yeah, I want to see it through your I go, eyes. I'm not being mean. I go, we're all different. I go, I have no I- right. idea yeah. what you're thinking or what you're doing. I right. go, you ask me a question about me. I don't mean to be, I'm not trying to be hateful. Yeah. And I tell people all the time, I go, you know what? If I was really a hateful person, do you think that little kids would come up to me and hug me? Right. And, and dogs would come over and let me pet them? Because oh, they know true people. Yeah, that's my first sign. My dogs, they don't like someone. Nuh-uh. They don't. They yeah. know. They know. They know. Um, what do you know to be true? Everything you see is not what you see. Everything you hear is not what you hear a lot of that's what we've been talking about yeah because people you don't know what people are going through people just say things because you know you're hurt or whatever you don't know right and if you you know you see someone that's looking good like great or on top of their game there could be something wrong with them they could think they're the ugly yeah they could be broken and empty inside you just don't know no one knows that's why i tell you you don't know Right. And that's why I, I tell everyone, I go, when you're just walking around and you sit down in an airport or a bus station or, and you see someone just sitting there, why wouldn't you say hi? I mean, I know it's kind of frightening to do that to people. I go, but you might make it where someone was about to do something harmful to themselves, where you said hi to them. They're like, oh, okay, that person said hi. Like all is good in the world. Yep, yeah, all is good. Sure. At least for the next day. Yeah, one little, one little act. Can that's, what, be that's what I know is true. Contagious. That's a very good truth. Yeah. Um, have you ever had a paranormal experience? Paranormal experience. That can be a lot of different things. You mean like E.T.? <laughs> I mean, not specifically E.T., but like yeah. Like a body? You could, uh, anything that is so paranormal <laughs> like, is like anything like poltergeist? that... Poltergeist? 
all those things fall under there. Have you ever seen a ghost? Have you ever had something happen that you can't explain? Have you ever seen anything weird in the sky? Have you ever had a dream where you felt like someone came to you? Have you like there's all kinds of things. Okay, so at the, at the house in Bar Harbor it was built in the 70s. And um one of my friends, she was all into, you know, uh that their spirits. Yeah. And one of her friends came over with her. And they were like, you know, I mean, the house was just being, I was just getting it renovated over. And they were walking around looking. And they are like, and her friend's like, there's a ghost here. I'm like, what do you mean, a ghost? She goes, a ghost, a woman ghost, elderly woman, but she's nice. She's a nice ghost. And she, and she, and she wants to take care of you. That nothing will ever happen to you in this house. <gasps> That's what she told me. But I'm, but I, but I'm pretty sure. I mean, the, the woman. I mean, she was dead serious, and this was tw- summer 2012. She was dead serious. I immediately thought of your grandmother. Yeah, could could be. Just when she, she said, said a, she's nice and she's she nice. wants to take care of you, she's like an el- elderly woman. She didn't say you know what she she just said. Just an elderly woman, and she's gonna take care of you forever. She wants to take care of you, and you're gonna be fine. That's a nice message. Yeah. And you know, and the funny thing she said that is that I didn't have a job, right? Because I'd been been fired, so I hadn't I hadn't worked in a, a year, right? Mm. And she goes, "You're gonna be fine." I'm like, "Okay." So and you are. Yeah, I've been so lucky. I don't know if it's lucky or kismet. <laughs> kismet. Right? Or is it? I mean, is it? Was this the path I'm supposed to, you know, circle? Because you know, no path is straight, right? Everything's a circle. And maybe a rectangle or a stop, and there's a ditch, right? You get a flat tire. You got to keep going. I go, is this where I'm supposed to be? I go, I'm, this is perfect. This me. is where you are, though. So, yeah. so how could it be, be any different? It's where I'm supposed to be. It's where you're supposed to be. Right. You know, when you kind of plan things and you think them out, things actually start to place and click. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's the universe working for you. For me. And meaning that you're on the right path. Right. And, and it's okay to have some setback. Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about. That's how we get through. Right. And I, and I tell everyone, I go, if you're going to fall, just make sure you fall forward. Mm. Um, what were you going to do after you are not coaching football? Okay. So uh, Pat Graham, who's the defensive coordinator for the Raiders, I got him into football coaching. He played for me at Yale. Mm-hmm. And I actually got him a GA, a GA job at Wagner. He didn't want to take it, and he fell in love with football. And he's like, Coach, when I become the man in the NFL, you're going to be my consultant. So I think in two years, maybe three, possibly three, he will be a head coach. And he said, don't worry, I got you. So I'm going to do that. And plus I have a uh, an LLC, sports, D-Train Sports LLC. You probably heard of it. D-Train Sports has a train. It's pretty sweet logo. <laughs> no, I'm just hearing about this. I didn't know you had D- this. Uh-huh. D-Train Sports LLC. So we do soccer, baseball, basketball, football, golf. We do all those things. And I have, and I have other coaches come. Like, I just set it up. And I have, I, have, I have people come. You know, like Patrick came to football camp. I had a Patriot guy there. So I have, try to have, you know, people who people might know. Yep. Or, you know, so that's what I was doing uh, on the island. Uh, for a year that I started working, and it, and people bit for it. They still do the same program. 
Yeah, so that's what I'll do. Yeah. And I'll get to and I'll go and see people, right? You know, I, all those guys I coached and you know, a couple guys they're in NFL, NFL, guys coaching the NFL, it'd be good to see them. Anything else you want to talk about? No, what do you want to know? Are like, you scared of anything? Like I used to be afraid of dying alone. Mm. Guess what? It's not going to happen. No. So that fear is gone. Right? And I have uh, and I have two regrets. Okay. Right? I I never cuz I wasn't old enough to tell my grandmother so much I loved them. Mm. Cuz I was just too I was a boy. Right? What do boys know? But they but they know. Yeah, I know. I know they know, but I would I would have liked to have told them. Mhm. Right? Yeah. And told them. Been nice. Mhm. And I think, you know, my guys will say, you know what, coach? The best thing about you is you're not judgmental. They're like, mm-hmm. we can tell you anything, and you'll just look and say, and give us advice. That's what people need. And it's gotten to the point where guys on my team will tell their friends on campus. So now they all come to my office. Oh. They, all, they, they all come. I mean, it's like a like couple softball girls, basketball. I mean, they all, they're like, we heard we can talk to you. I'm like, of course you can. Of course you can. What do you want to talk about? What do you want to talk about? Yeah. You know, everybody does their thing, right? And mm-hmm. I tell people, you can do your thing. Just make sure that when you do your thing, it doesn't hurt you or somebody else. And then when you do something, that it, it helps someone. I mean, I totally get it. Yeah. Right? But I mean, but you have to, I mean, the way things are, you have to, people need help. And I go to pandemic, made people think about mental health. Now, it's not like mental health came because the pandemic came. Mental health's been around for uh, a long time, forever, but no one wanted to talk years. about it. Yeah, no one yeah. wanted to talk about it. Now that's all people talk about. It's yeah, it's called just normalizing stuff that right. yeah, once it catches, it's like everyone's like, oh, I guess we can talk about this. It's right. it's good. It's bringing light to it. I tell my guys, it's okay to be screwed up and not know what you want to do. You're a nineteen, twenty year old boy. Mm. Right? How does it, yeah. That that's another thing. A lot of stress. Yeah. You not go knowing. A, you, go, you, go to, you know, when you go to a, you know, we have a high-powered school, right? It's supposed to be, you know, the, I believe the eight schools are the best schools in the world, allegedly. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of heat. Yeah, there's a lot of heat. It's a lot of heat, you know, and, and, you've, and you think failure, right? Then how can you fail? You're here. You right. got here. Mm-hmm. Right? Take in the moment. So many people have a hard time living presently. Yeah. It's like, stop thinking about what you should be doing or what could have been or right. what's going to happen. Just be here now. Right. It was good to have a plan. Yeah. But that's uh, different. How about just let's live day to day and see what happens? Mm-hmm. Right? It's like people ask, they're like, oh, this football game, you guys go in. I'm like, I don't know. They're like, what do you mean? I go, because it's not what I'm thinking about right now. Mm-hmm. I go, I'm worried about how many bourbons I can drink in a, in a week. <laughs> Or you know, summertime, a pina colada in there. Is there a mudslide? Is there a mudslide going? That's what I was worried about. I go, I worry about games on game week, right? I go up September seventeenth. We play Valparaiso. I worry about them at twelve o'clock. Um, the I'm sure this is across the board with a lot of different sports, but it seems like football is the most intense when it comes to working. When they whoever started this whole football coaching thing, they made everyone think that you have to work 15 hours a day, seven days a week, or you're not working. But what the pandemic has proven, you don't have to be in the office all day. 
the work, but still, that's a lot that, of hours. But I mean, you know, and so I mean, you know, I I grew up on that. And, you know, you have to be in the office till like, oh, I don't, oh, dinner two o'clock, or I spent the night. Why? <laughs> that's what they used to do. So I leave the office no matter what. I leave at ten. That's still that seems still so late. Still late. I leave at ten, but we have we have practice till six thirty, so I can get some stuff out of the way because you got recruiting stuff, but. But I mean, there's just so much, and I go, I don't know how guys who are married, and you don't get to see your kids, because you'll, because you know, because my, you know, we recruit from Thanksgiving until Christmas, and then we have recruiting weekends in January, and then we go back on the road in February. Then you have March off, but the bigger schools, they have stuff going all the time; it never ends. For me, it ends. Every now and again. For them, right. it never ends. I see that you have breaks. And yep. I see that you, what you're just talking about, of separating that and and not thinking about football when you're thinking about something mm-hmm. that you'd prefer to think about. But there's some, it seems like there's a lot of football coaches that are never, not like that. They won't let, oh, there's nine. They do not take their time. Nine Because they only want to be doing football. Do yep. they only well, really want to be doing football? Do they not know what else to do? Or... Because you're scared to get fired. Fear. Fear. So you think you have to work. You have to be there later than everyone. That makes you a worker. You think you're going to get fired. And you know what? Work if, smarter, not harder. Exactly. How and about that? And when you're, a, when you're an assistant, okay, when you're just a, like a D-line coach like me, you get a year-to-year contract. When you're a coordinator, offensive, defense, special teams, you get a three-year deal. So, but as a position coach, you can get fired. Whenever, right? So and then working that's later good, equates to right. And then if you don't get good recruits in, fired. Don't have a good season, fired. fired. So much pressure. A lot of pressure, and they think that working later, you're going to get the great one. It's so silly. Can we Fear. stop this thinking? Fear. Can we just be better humans? All right, we should probably wrap this up. Okay, are we doing this tomorrow morning? I don't know. Maybe. Huh? What are we going to talk about? Who knows? Just throw, just throw a question. We'll the G unit. Yeah, we're gonna zoom. I'm gonna start zooming in on your. I think once a month. Yeah, and then like who, who pops by your office? Anyone? Roger Goodell. He pops by the office. Yeah, his daughters are his daughters are my work studies. Okay, well I didn't know he was just popping into your office. He comes up there, hang out with me. All right. A little something, give me a little NFL swag. I don't need any swag. I know. I'm just saying. But I want just. I want conversation. Some, I want conversation with a human. Yeah. Yeah. You've heard of Don Shula? No. Okay. So he's the greatest football coach ever in NFL history. They say. Wow. They. This, Who's they? I don't know who they are, but they. Oh, okay. They're just the, pun, the pundits. We got some people. We got some heavy hitters out there. Couple my NFL guys and a couple guys who plays in the yeah, CFL. Yeah, your coach of the the head coach of the Bulls. Billy Donovan. We can get him on it. Doris. Get Doris. See, no promises, people. But we're we're gonna we're gonna try to do some things. We're gonna do some things. We have years to accomplish this. We have all the time in the world. I'm, I'm figuring once a month we're on the Zoom. Yeah, you've made that clear. So I, I think that it's gonna be in the calendar once a month. Okay. Do you know anyone at Disney? I'm going there next week. I just want a picture of Small World with all the people singing in different languages. We're gonna. That. If I have service on that ride, we're gonna Facetime you on it. Okay. So you can be with it. Be it's with a us world, on it's it. It's a world of hope. It's a world of peace. Yeah, it is. 
All right. Thanks, Dwayne. Thank you. Future brother-in-law. Ah, yes. Yes. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much, Dwayne. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And don't forget, let's just follow the golden rule in life. Treat others the way that you want to be treated. Have a great week, everyone. See you next time.